Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. My name is Chris. Uh, it's so glad to be with you this morning. I'm the senior leader here, pastor. Some people like to call me a pastor. I don't know if that's my gift strength, but you know, um, I try. And, and, um, uh, one of the things that I really absolutely love about being here, um, especially on days like today, is that um, we just get rooted in the fundamentals of who God says that we are. We can get rooted, re-rooted, re-grounded, right? Because sometimes our walk with Jesus can take us in many directions, we can go many different ways, many, like we can wander all over the place, and yet we come back to Easter, to the simplicity of the resurrection of Jesus. Out of all the world religions, there's only four religions that are based on a person, okay? That's uh, Islam with Muhammad. That is uh, Buddhism with Buddha, okay? Um, Judaism with Abraham, and then there's Christianity with Jesus. Now, what's really interesting is that um, Christianity is the only religion in the world that claims a resurrection. That the person that we follow is no longer dead. It's really interesting, too, when you get into the historical documents that one of the... The most documented death in history is the death of Jesus. It's documented more than any other death. There's more proof that he actually died than any other historical fact. The second most recorded event next to the death of Jesus is his resurrection. So if you want to talk about actual history, Jewish historian named Josephus, who was right, he's a Jewish historian, historian writing for the Roman Empire in a non-Christian era before Christianity took over the world. This is in first century. Josephus, who's talking with people who are first and second generation away from the original apostles. He says this, amen. I'm like, wow, okay, what did Josephus speaking from the phone? <laughs> okay, stay off of YouTube while I'm preaching, Jen, okay? <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> that was great. That was awesome. <laughs> so Josephus says... Oh, okay, all right, just checking. So <laughs> Josephus said that, um, that this man, Jesus, died and rose from the dead on the third day and is the Christ prophesied. And, and, and he was, that, was not a, that was not something that the Romans actually wanted to hear. And he wasn't even a Christian. Okay. 
So there's um, tremendous, I, you know, every Easter I just go back through my ap apologetics and I read about all the evidence of the resurrection just, you know, because um, it's easy 2,000 years away to go, oh, that was so long ago and the book's been changed. And well, when you actually look at the evidence, no, it hasn't. It's the most preserved event according to every historical metric you could ever use. There's more evidence that Jesus rode from the dead than Plato existed. All right. So today, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. This is a fundamental truth, obviously, that separates Christianity from every other religion. We believe that God himself came in the flesh, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, was crucified and rose from the dead by the power of God three days after his death. We believe that by faith in Jesus Christ, by believing in Jesus Christ, we receive the forgiveness of sins and the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus makes us whole. I remember on my first date with Mika, she was not a believer, but I shared the gospel with her on my first date because I thought she was pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm like, I, I want this to work out really well, so I just need to get this Jesus thing right out the way, okay? And so, and I just shared, yes, she did deserve it. And so I, I shared with her that, you know, from kind of a holistic perspective, because she's a naturopath, and so I, I shared with her, like, listen, everyone is broken inside because of, of sin. What the Bible calls sin is just that's our brokenness, right? Like, we fail, we make mistakes, and because of that, we've got so much pain in our lives. We have so much, so many needs in our hearts that are so far, that keeps us so far away from being whole as a person, but Jesus came to repair the breach, to repair the areas that have been broken where we felt like we are incomplete. He came to complete us. She's crying because she had never heard anybody share the gospel in a relevant way. She said, I'm a little susceptible right now. We need to finish our date. I said, all right. A couple months later, she gave her life to Jesus. Part of it was not because of learning a bunch of truths, but she got to see the gospel in action by how I treated her. She'll tell you that. That she, first time she came into a Sunday service, she saw a wonderful old, older gal in the Lord named Susan Stanley. Does anybody, do you remember Susan? Okay, a couple of you here, and I'm telling you, this woman knew how to worship. She knew how to worship. She was just like, Lord Jesus, just worshiping. And Mika walked in and goes, oh, I want that. She's having a, a, a connected relationship with the God of the universe. I want that. So God used the simple message of the cross that he took on his body all of our failure so that we might be made whole again. That's what we believe. It's simple. It's a simple gospel. Unfortunately, we've distorted it pretty well. 
In Romans 5, 18 through 19, I'm reading in the New King James Version. If you, have, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and get those out. We're going to read a few scriptures today. If you need a Bible, there's one in one of the, one of the seats in front of you. Um, and those are the same version I'm going to read out of, so it'll be easy to follow along. Uh, Romans chapter 5. Say amen when you're in Romans 5. Ooh, we got speedy people. All right. Romans 5, hey, you're all awesome. Verses 18 through 19. Therefore, as though one man's offense, through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. Say, free gift. Resulting in justification of life, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Say, I'm not the one. We're not the ones that make us righteous. You can try, you can go for it, but you're not the one who makes you righteous. Now to the religious, that's blasphemy. What do you mean I don't make myself righteous? What do you mean? I got to obey God, right? Yes, you do. I got to do what God asked me to do, right? Yes, you do. But it doesn't make you righteous. You can try your heart out and try and do all the things right, and it still will not make you righteous. Without the blood of Jesus, you are not righteous. Come on, I need a bigger amen than that. Come on, without the blood of Jesus, you are not made righteous. Kerry, can you do me a favor and just put that one, that one slide up? Thank you. So one of the things that I think is really important here is that this is not by our might. It is not by our power. But what happens is by the blood of Jesus, we encounter the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and actually empowers us to live in a manner that we could never live before. Amen. By knowing God, right, because the, the power of the Holy Spirit makes us alive and able to know God personally and intimately because the Spirit now makes his home in you, okay? Now, by knowing God, we are transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, and we live a life of the Spirit instead of a life of the flesh. Romans 8 turn two pages. I believe it's just only two pages in your Bible. Okay, Romans 8 from Romans 5. Same page. Oh, snap. It's small print. You like that? Well, it's not as small as we could have got. Could have got a lot smaller. Romans 8, 9 through 11. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Say, I'm not in the flesh. Oh, come on now. Yeah, like I, I felt it. Some of you said it, but you didn't believe it. I am not in the flesh. Okay. Now do you like, I got hands, arms, I got legs. I got like, I've got a physical flesh body, right? Amen. What's he talking about? He's saying, listen, we are no longer of the carnal nature. We have now been reborn of a spiritual nature. So I am no longer, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. 
That's crazy. 2 Corinthians 5, we just read it in our, um, in our life journals last week, this last week, and it messed me up. Verse 11 says that we plead with people to know Jesus because of the terror of the judgment coming. The terror, the terror of the judgment coming. So if you don't have the spirit, you are not his. You are freed from the coming judgment because you have the spirit. (laughs) <laughs> Come on, Pamela, just like, ah, we done with that question. <laughs> All right, now, now this, is even, this gets even better, right? Because step one is I no longer have to fear judgment. If I'm in Christ, I don't have to fear, worry about it. All my works are going to be judged, good and bad. The Bible is very clear. I'm going to stand before God, and all my works are going to be judged. Every single thing that you've ever done will be seen, and it will be heard in the heavenlies. It's going to take a while. Uh-huh, yep, yep. In a day. According to the Lord, it's a day. Maybe it's a thousand years. Good point, Kim. All right, but so this great day of the Lord, so we're freed from the judgment. Why? All my stuff's going to be seen, and yet it's going to be seen under my failures and my faults and my sin gets to be seen through the lens and the eyes of the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Now, it says, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is crazy. This is crazy. What? Whoa. You mean that because I am in Christ, I have the spirit of God and I am in Christ, he gives life to my mortal body. According to the work of Jesus, we are to live a resurrected life. We are to no longer live as a dead man or a dead woman. Okay, let me, let me come back because I saw some deer in the headlights. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. So the body is dead. And so if... If you're living by your carnal nature and you're a believer, you're actually dragging around a dead man. And if you're going to drag around a dead man, you're confused. You have identity confusion. You are not clear on who you are. See, Jesus paid so that you might be made whole, completely whole. And when he rose from the dead, the spirit came to give you life. So that you would have life right here, right now. No longer bound to death and sin. God calls you to live and think and act from an upgraded identity. He wants you to live from a place of being resurrected. 
Did your old man really die? Have you put to death the deeds of the body so that Christ might reign fully in you? Have you allowed those areas in your life that have been ruled by your carnal nature, by the flesh, to die? Jesus said, if you come after me, if you're going to follow me, you must crucify the flesh, carnal nature, with its passions and desires. I'm telling you right now, that power to do so is in the blood of Jesus. It is by the Spirit of God that you get to be unrecognizable to your old self. You no longer get to live according to the old ways. You get to live according to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that says, that ain't you anymore. And yet some of us struggle with this. Isn't it true that we struggle with our flesh? Okay, the, the honest people said amen. See, who does God say that you are in Christ? Who does he say that you are in Christ? Are you a sinner? <laughs> Guys, if you die today, you stand before Jesus, right? If you die today, you're going to stand before Jesus. Is he going to say you're a sinner or a saint? Does your good works make you a saint? I believe. I believe. By my faith, because I believe in Jesus, I'm made righteous. So if I die today, I stand before a living God, and he looks at me, and he says, you're forgiven I will not hold you to account for your sin. You are not a sinner anymore. According to his judgment, you are not a sinner. If you are in Christ. If you are not in Christ, you are rolling some serious dice. Those odds aren't good. So, what does... What does God say about you? Who does God say that you are in Christ? Um, are you without a purpose? Do you feel like you're kind of floating around without a purpose? You know, I mean, the world has a lot of purpose out there. Um, one, one, one purpose that I think has dominated um, the Christian circles that we think is, is that our purpose must be um, to just raise a family. And yes, we do need to raise a family, but that's actually just part of being a believer. That's not your primary focus. <gasps> I know I'm speaking some Christian heresy right now. <laughs> the primary purpose is to love God, is to love God and obey whatever he asks you to do. And he says, if you love your family more than you love me, you have no part in me. That's the words of Jesus. I mean, it's Jesus. So we have lots of identity statements that we like to use in Christianity. We banter them about, like, I'm a son of God. I'm the bride of Christ. Uh, we, we will attach our calling, and, and we'll say, I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm this, and I'm that. And, and oftentimes what happens is that we don't fully grasp the weight of what it means to carry a God-defined identity. When we, when we receive Christ in our lives and we receive that resurrection power, the power that allows us to live as if the old man is actually dead, because it's not by my pite, my might, or my power, my pite. It's not my pite or wower. It's not by my might or power, but it is by his spirit. 
spirit that I am able to do the things that I could never do on my own. One of the realities we have to grasp is that when God defines your identity, you have to take on that identity. You don't get to be the old and the new. So, why do we do that? I think we're too connected to our brokenness. We allow our own brokenness to have too much authority in our lives. We allow the places where we've sinned or our failures or our shame or our emotions or some aspect of who we are in our life, and we allow it to have more uh, identifying power. We give it more weight. We, we believe it more than we believe God. We believe how I feel more than I believe the word of God. I believe, uh, I'll believe that I'm actually uh, a failure in some area and because I can't seem to overcome uh, maybe a perpetual sin that's just had its hooks in you and you haven't been able to get free and you can't get free and now you begin to lose faith. You begin to lose hope. You begin to not see clearly anymore about who God is and who he says that you are. And it's interesting because in this place, Something has to die. And the devil wants to kill your faith. He wants you to be worn out and not believe anymore. So you will try and stack the deck. But remember, you're not of the flesh, but of the spirit. You are not of the flesh, but of the spirit. So in Christ, we receive a new identity. Ephesians 4, verses 20 through 24. If you have your Bibles, let's spin over just a couple more pages. You're going to head over to the right a little bit into Ephesians. This is a letter that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. This was the largest New Testament church in the world at the time. Um, when, when Paul left it in Ephesus, within 10 years of Paul leaving, there were 2 million believers in that area. And the temple of Diana got broken in too within 30 years of Paul leaving. History shows that John the Baptist went into the temple of Diana, or not John the Baptist, again, John the, the Apostle John, he got beheaded long ago, sorry. The Apostle John went into, the, the church was thriving in Ephesus, 30 years after Paul leaves. The Apostle John walks into Ephesus and he casts down the spirit, Diana, out of the temple. Earthquakes happened, the temple cracked in half. It's still cracked in half to this day. That's when it happened. <laughs> it was when the Apostle John went in and took the territory. Do you know how the territory was taken? This is just interesting stuff here because we talk about our, our theme for this year is taking territory from the enemy through synergy, right? The Apostle John showed up after all the groundwork had been done. The silversmiths who were making the, the little idols of Diana, they'd been put out of business. Revival had come to Ephesus, and that stronghold over the region had to be cast down. And we see it happen about 30 years after Paul shows up for the first time. That's a transformation. Ephesians chapter 4. This letter that Paul wrote, Paul's encouraging the church of, of, at Ephesus to not walk in your old ways. He's making the point here through chapter four. Don't, don't go back 
Don't go back to the old way of living. And he says this in verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and you have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. In Christ, receive a new identity. Put on the new man. Allow it to change your mind. Allow it to change your mind. That means that there's areas of life, areas and things that you look at, things that you see, and God wants to change your mind. <laughs> there's a way that you think it should go. God wants to change your mind. Are you hearing me? All right. Now, we are always being upgraded in our identity, and I think we need to embrace these, these transformations because you go from one glory to the next glory to the next glory, right? 2 Corinthians 3 is about taking internal territory, right? We're going to take the territory inside, right, from the enemy, right? We're going to allow our, ourselves to be upgraded, and let me just tell you, upgrades often require um, uh, uh, taking away the old in order for you to step into the new. Right, So when you actually have an identity upgrade, it means that something's got to go away. Do you get that? Like if you're going to have your identity upgraded, you have to get rid of the old way of thinking and the old way of being. You quit juggling. We are so bad at this. We are so good at trying to juggle what we thought was God. And God brings us a revelation. Here, here I, I'm, I want you to come up here with me. And we're like, yeah, but I still like this part over here. And he's like, will you let go of that? Stop it. Come with me. Let me change your mind. So he says this, that you put on the new man which was created according to God. Why? In 2 Corinthians 3, it says this, verses 17 and 18. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Guys, if we're going to walk in these upgrades, every piece of internal territory must be transformed into the image of Christ. It requires an upgrade of identity. In order to have an upgrade of identity, you need to know the word of God, but you need to let the spirit speak to you. The Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. As you get an upgrade, it is by the Spirit that you are free to look at God. It is by the Spirit of God that you can actually come into deep, intimate contact with God, and you can expose all of your brokenness. You can lay out there all of your faults, all of your failures. Lay them before the Lord, because what he wants to do is he says, okay, I see your brokenness. Now look at me. Look at me. Now as you're looking at me, now what I want you to do, keep your eyes on me, and I'm going to wash you clean of that brokenness. Keep your eyes on me, and we're going to systematically remove those areas. Of, go, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes on me, because the more you look at me, the more that you're going to look like me. He says, we all with unfailed face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So, 
That's about taking your internal territory, right? This is, this is about us looking, becoming more like Jesus, right? Because we've got to take territory from the old man. I wish that it would just happen like that. And we just would be like, oh, I'm holy. You know, we just float around and everything would be great. It just doesn't work like that. It doesn't happen. So we have to constantly be taking the territory internally, which means I've got to have my eyes on Jesus. And I've got to allow the spirit of God to transform me into the image of Christ. Okay. Now, if we're going to take the territory around us, I still have to walk in this new identity. In order to take the territory around us, it requires an upgrade to our identity. Now now listen, Abram turned into Abraham. Jacob turned into Israel. They got new identities. They were given a new name. Simon became Peter. See, God has a destiny on your life. And that destiny on your life requires an upgrade to your identity. Because who you were can't fulfill the destiny that God has put on your life. Now, it would be very easy to go, well, all I need to do is just hang on tight until it's all over. And just with a little bit of faith, I can get through today. Some of us feel like that from time to time. Like, Lord, I just can't even make through the day. I just need to hang on tight. You do that. Hang on tight. Don't let go. Get some help. Serious. Call somebody. That was great. And yet, while you're hanging on, be okay with receiving an identity upgrade. While you're hanging on, let God speak to you about your next season. Because you know what's going to happen is you're going to have hope. If you let God speak to you while you're hanging on, you'll have hope. Because... God has some plans for you. They are good. They are not evil. Why? In order to give you a future and a hope. That's Jeremiah 29.11. Every upgrade in a name, in an identity, came with a destiny. Your destiny isn't about you or your skills. (laughs) Oh, man, I wish it could just be all about me. Like, when I think about stepping into a new identity, it's going to be for my glory and fame. It's actually never about you. When you get an upgrade in destiny, when you get an upgrade in identity, it's for the sake of those around you, not for you. It's not for you. We need to break off this independent, selfish spirit in the church that says everything is about me all the time. It is not about you. You come, you go to a church because God calls you to go to a church. And I don't know why I always say this on Easter. (laughs) I'm just realizing. God's actually, some of you here for the first time, God called you to be here and wants to actually let you grow roots here. But you just have to hear the Lord and obey that. You got to say, okay, God, is this where you want me to be? And then he'll say, yeah, get planted. Then you need to be all in. You need to get in, get involved. Why? Because there is life when you grow roots. You don't want fruit? 
Don't grow roots. God is going to stir passions in you that are not normal. He might call you to be an evangelist. He might call you to be a pastor. He might call you to be a missionary. He might call you to preach and teach. He might call you to be an administrator for the church. He might call you to be a healer. (laughs) Just throwing that in there. He might call you to be a healer. He might even call you to become a miracle worker. Right? But it ain't about you. It's not about you or your glory. It's not about people loving you more, accepting you more. That's the spirit of an orphan. Like, we need to know that we are loved and beloved sons of God, and I don't have to ever perform for God to approve of me. He loved me before I got it right. He's going to love me after I get it right. And if I get it wrong, he still loves me, and he covers me with his blood, and I come back time and time and time again, and I say, Lord, I need you today. And he says, here I am, son. Tim was telling me a story this morning. He walks outside. He hears the turkey. It's a really bad turkey sound, but I'm going to run with it. I'm going to run with it. All right? I know some of you got the good gobblers. Okay? That's not me today. Okay? Yeah. Okay. No more. No more. We don't need turkeys. Okay, come on. We are eagles in this place. I'm just making a, I'm just making a point, right? So here's the call of one, and then he hears a whole bunch of others over here. Listen, when God gives you your voice and you step into your destiny, and he and he's building that hope in you that you are called to actually have impact, and it's not about your performance. It's about how you love. It's about the way that you reflect who Jesus is in your life. Listen, people will hear your call and they'll respond. And they will want to follow the one who transformed you. One of my favorite stories in scripture that I feel like just really hits home here is in John chapter 4. We have the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And Jesus meets this woman at the well and he begins to have a conversation and she brings it back to worship. She goes, well, you know, hey, you you Jews are supposed to worship here and our people, the Samaritans, we we worship on this mountain. And and Jesus just is like, "Eh, it's kind of not how it works anymore because I'm here. God's looking for those who are willing to worship him in spirit and truth, right? And she's like, I don't know about you. He goes, well, let me tell you about you. And he reveals her sin. And she's like, this is crazy. Um, so there's this guy that's supposed to be the Messiah coming. You just told me everything that ever happened to me, and um, there's this guy that's supposed to be the Messiah coming, and what happens next is beautiful. He says, I am he. I'm the dude. I'm the guy. Disciples come back, and she takes off, and she just can't help it. See, This woman had an encounter with Jesus. She's the first evangelist in scripture to go to a town to tell people about the good news of Jesus. Mm -hmm. 
Women, be bold in your witness. God loves female evangelists. Samaritan woman and Mary. You just, oh yeah, I got the evidence. I met with Jesus after the resurrection. What's really amazing is that the whole town hears, right? In verse 39, it says, Many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. Many believed because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, when God, when you encounter God and you you have this this moment where God transforms you, you should open your mouth and tell somebody about it. Because when we do that, then other people go, that's cool, I want that too. This is why we don't put yokes of bondage on new believers. Angel was great last week, wasn't he? Um, And I think he triggered every religious spirit possible. Which, is, which was awesome. I'm, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but the, the reality is that when people see what God has done in you and through you by your encounter, it actually is attractive to people. And it's not because you're so morally pure and holy that people are attracted to. You know what they're attracted to? Because she was still just as broken telling the story as before. She was still in her fifth marriage. She was still struggling just as much as she was before, but she had an encounter. And because she had an encounter, she had a story. And now that she had a story, everybody went to go meet Jesus. It doesn't say that they believed because she had done everything right from that point forward so when the Samaritans had come to him they urged him to stay with them and he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his own word not just her testimony but his own word right then they said to the woman now we believe not because of what you said for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ the savior of the world what's amazing here is that She starts the revival, and then it's no longer about her. Never was. She got to be a messenger. He's going to upgrade your identity in order for you to carry the blessing of your calling. Now, we should become unrecognizable. What do I mean by unrecognizable? Well, we get this really cool story that after, you know, two really interesting stories, um, one of them in John chapter 20 and the other in Luke 24. um, See, the resurrected Jesus was not recognizable to his followers. We see this happen with Mary at the tomb. The angel's like, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And she turns around and sees somebody standing over there thinking it's the gardener. And she runs over and goes, what did you do with the body? She's talking to who? 
she's talking to Jesus. And he's like, it's me. Oh, she yells out, Raboni, teacher. Like, had the mo- like the revelation came. This is Jesus. He was unrecognizable to her in his resurrected form. We see the disciples on the road to Emmaus in John. Or this one's in Luke 24. They're, they're on the road and they're going along and they run into this guy and they're like, didn't you hear about what happened? You know, about Jesus goes, well, tell me all about it. And so they tell him and then he starts opening the scriptures and revealing about Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah. And, and they hang out, they have dinner and they're sitting at dinner and he breaks bread and gives them what? And they're like, oh, it's Jesus. He was unrecognized. Guys. He broke bread and had wine in the kingdom. You know what's amazing about this? They had no clue it was Jesus. But they said, didn't our hearts burn within us? Right? You know, these are the disciples with heartburn. When we live a resurrected lifestyle, we should become unrecognizable to the old man. How many of you have looked back on your life after coming to know Jesus? God, that old guy, that doesn't even fit. I don't even know who that was. When I tell people I used to be a drug dealer, they go, what? I don't have a grid for it. The old man's dead. The old man's dead. It's the new man that lives. We no longer look like the old man. What's fun is that we still get to be us, just like Jesus still was Jesus. But we must die to the flesh. So God's inviting you to become unrecognizable to the old man. That means the flesh and and even how people have known you has to change. And it does change when you get in Christ. It does change. How people even relate to you changes. How your family relates to you changes. Everything should, it should change. And sometimes our hearts will grieve that loss a little bit. But listen, the change is so beautifully good. Because though it may be hard in the moment, God will get the glory. Okay. Now, in Christ, God has given you resurrection power. That is the power you wield over the old man, the flesh, and every attack of the devil. See, Jesus rose from the dead so that you might have a new life in him. Okay, I'm going to read one more scripture as we close our time out this morning. Romans chapter 6, verses... 5 through 14, for if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Let me say it again. If we've been united together in the likeness of his death, 
if we come to Christ and we crucify our flesh and we say, God, I'm, I, I, this old man is dead and behold, I have made new in you. This is why we experience baptism, right? We, when we are baptized, we are baptized into Christ that the old man is dead and we become up washed with the water. We are now clean and made pure and holy before God. If we identify, if we've been united together, in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Have you died? Has the old man died? Are you still dragging them around? It's time to put the old man down. God wants you to be free. He wants you to be unrecognizable to how it was a month ago, to how it was a day ago. He wants to take you into a new level of his glory by his resurrection power. He who has died has been freed from sin. Say, I'm free from sin because I've died. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe also that we should live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is time to be alive to God in Christ Jesus. Not like, can we just stop our love-hate relationship with sin? Can we let that, those areas of our life can we, can we lay him down and put him to death? Where we're going is not where we've been, where we've been. And the things that have limited us, the things that have held us back, all of those things need to shift. We need to let those areas of our life that have been ruled by sin die. God is upgrading your identity today so that you can become unrecognizable. Put the old man to death. Let the old ways of living be buried. You will not get the comfort or the control you think you will have by choosing to think and live from the flesh. That's usually what happens, right? We turn back to the flesh because of comfort because we're not actually going to the Holy Spirit for comfort, so we go to the flesh again. Or we feel like, um, we have a hard time trusting God, though so we want some level of control. So this is why we go to the flesh, is comfort and control. So receive your new identity. If you'll stand with me, we're going to pray. <clears throat> the Lord loves you. He loves you. He loves you and he calls you. 
He's called you. He calls you a beloved son and daughter. He wants to affirm your true identity. Let me tell you, for some of us, it might even be unrecognizable to you right now. You might not even know what that looks like. I don't know what this destiny is. I don't know what my true identity is. You don't have to know. You have to know him. Because as you keep your eyes on him, this is where you begin to look like him. This is where you get your identity upgrade. So I'm just going to give a moment to let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you right now about your identity, about the areas that have uh, been alive that need to get buried, need to be dead, those areas that need to go. Just let the Lord speak to you. And this conversation should look something like this. The Lord might highlight some area of your life that you're like, Lord, I know that's not honoring you. That's not pleasing to you. That's part of the flesh. So we take that and we say, God, forgive me for trusting in that area and not trusting that area to you. Forgive me for that. I don't want that to be in my life anymore. Please forgive me and show me Reveal to me what you say about me. Because this is about your identity upgrade. It's easy to lay it down, but we need to hear. So take a moment, let the Spirit speak to you. If there's any areas that the Lord is prompting you to lay down, we want you to lay that down. Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come, that you come with power, that you begin to reveal to our hearts and minds your truth, what you say about us. God, that we might receive a new identity, that we would no longer allow the old man, the flesh, our carnal nature, the brokenness of our flesh to be our guide any longer. Thank you, Jesus, for raising from the dead that we might have resurrection power to live a whole new life, that the Spirit of God will come and dwell within us. Thank you, God. going to speak, I believe he wants to speak to every heart here, something very simple about your upgrade, about your identity. He wants to give you an upgrade, some new aspect of what he says about you. It likely 
will make you go, I don't know if that's really God because that doesn't feel like me. <laughs> Hello, it's an upgrade. It's not how you are now. It's what he says about you. So, Holy Spirit, we just come before you and we open our hearts and minds to hear what you have to say to us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just begin to speak clearly into every heart here what you're saying about who they are, about their destiny, about the upgrade that is on their life, about what, who you are calling them to be, what, the, what it is that you are calling them into. God, I pray that you just speak it with clarity to them right now. Anybody here, anybody here sense God give you some word or piece of new identity? How many of you heard him? Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand around the place. If you heard God give you a new, a new sense, something new, come on, hallelujah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Just leave your hands up. Leave your hands up. Leave your hands up. Okay. All right. If your hand is up, your eyes are open. I want you to go lay hands on somebody else right now. That's whose hands are down. Go lay hands on them right now. Go find somebody. Put your hand on them. There you go. Just simple. This is not. This isn't. So God, I'm asking right now in Jesus' name. Because listen, when we do these things together, there's more authority and power. Did you know that? God actually wants us to do things in community. So I just declare right now over you right now in Jesus' name, that your ears are open to hear the spirit of the living God. Your ears are open to hear the spirit of the living God, to hear that you are being made new, you're being made whole. I declare right now a new name for you, a new name for you, a new name for you, a new identity, a new piece of who you are right now. Yes, yes, you are called, you are called Did you hear it? We don't need to rush God. Easter's here. Dinner will happen. Don't worry. We just we just thank you Jesus that you you have absolute freedom to come and whisper in every ear, this is what I say about you. You're beautiful. Live from my beauty. Live from my heart. Live from my mind. Receive your new life in Christ. All right, I want everybody who's heard one piece of your identity, I want you to raise your hands high again. Raise your hands high again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I heard. I heard. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Come on, what an increase. Praise God. Praise God. I want everybody to put your hand on your heart. Pray this with me. Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. 
I receive today an upgrade for the world around me to know you better. I pray, God, that you would make me unrecognizable, that the old ways would die, that I would no longer live according to my flesh and carnal nature, but I would live accordingly with supernatural power, supernatural love, and supernatural passions. Lord, I'm asking today that you would open my heart, hear you fully about my destiny and the hope that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Yes, give God praise. Amen. Hallelujah. He is risen. The resurrection of Jesus began the church. And the church goes strong today because he's risen. And he's alive in you. He's alive in you. Let him transform you. Let him change you. Let him move you. Amen? Amen. Bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.